The attack on Hamas shatters the lies about January 6th. Nothing like a genuine act of terror to shake us back to reality. As we watch the horrific images of Hamas's brutal attack on Israeli citizens, there is no mistaking the face of evil. This is brutality on a scale most of us here in America have never witnessed. The rapes of women who are dragged through the streets to cheers, babies murdered in their cribs, beheaded, fathers shot while trying to help their families escape, charred remains of still-smoking corpses in the gardens, doorways, and cars. Here is Ben Shapiro. You've spoken a lot about Hamas before. Uh called them evil. Uh, you did a second video called Make God Avenge Their Blood, in which you said that Hamas, in some ways, they are worse than Nazis, which some viewed as a very provocative statement. Why did you say that about them? The, the Nazis, I mean, uh, here's a phrase I'll never use again, at least the Nazis. So uh, at, at least the Nazis uh, attempted to hide their crimes. Uh, so, so the Nazis obviously mechanized death. They had Einsatzgruppen units that, that drove up to, to Jewish villages and would mow people down. Um, and then they would bury them, and then they would try to hide the crimes. And it took, you know, the Nuremberg team years to, to undig all of that material. In this particular case, you have Hamas terrorists who are murdering Jews in their beds and then live streaming it and, and celebrating it and bragging about it and, and talking about how incredible it is and blasting that sort of stuff out. I mean, the videos that I've been showing on my show, a lot of them are coming directly from Hamas. I mean, it's Hamas that, that is taking contemporaneous video of this sort of stuff. And that, that's a whole new level of evil. I mean, that, that, to, to celebrate this sort of stuff, to treat it as a triumph. I mean, th I think the thing that, that, that people really have to realize here is this is not a military operation. Mm. This was not a military operation. I mean, people have compared this to, for example, the 1973 Yom Kippur War. That was an awful moment in Israel's history when it was taken by surprise by the combined Arab armies around it. But that was a military operation with a military objective, which was to seize territory. This is not a military operation with a military objective. This was, this was an operation directed specifically at civilians. And, and when we see death in Gaza, which we're going to see, and the images are going to be horrifying and terrible, it is important to understand that the reason that that is happening is not just because Hamas crossed the border and murdered a bunch of civilians in their beds, but also because Hamas literally hides its weaponry behind civilians. Israel yeah. is currently right now sending out messages to Gazan civilians telling them to get out of particular areas, and Hamas is sending out full-scale messages telling people to ignore those messages and to stay where they are. Now, Hamas is... is they, they, there's a reason why their headquarters were for years located underneath a hospital. I mean, it, it's the, the, the what, what they what they, they understand that the West again has a peculiar narcissism where we think we would never put our military our military hardware below a hospital. That'd be insane. Um, and so, if Israel blows up a hospital, it must be that Israel's doing that because they're targeting civilians. Hamas knows that. That's that's why they're doing it. That's why they're doing it. They literally hide their rocket launchers behind apartment buildings in the hope that Israel will strike back and have to kill civilians in the process. Israel cares significantly more about civilian casualties in Gaza than Hamas ever has. For the past three years, our government has lied to us about what happened on January 6th. The vice president stood before us and compared a riot at the Capitol to 9-11 and Pearl Harbor. Fellow Americans, good morning. Certain dates echo throughout history, including dates that instantly remind all who have lived through them where they were and what they were doing when our democracy came under assault. Dates that occupy not only a place on our calendars, but a place in our collective memory. December 7th, 1941, September 11th, 2001, and January 6th, 2021. On January 6th, 
we all saw what our nation would look like if the forces who seek to dismantle our democracy are successful. The lawlessness, the violence, the chaos. What was at stake then and now is the right to have our future decided the way the Constitution prescribes it by we, the people. Had I never crawled out of my own feedback loop, I'd never have known they were lying because I too would have been locked in my home, terrified of either COVID or Trump supporters. I would have been grateful our government brought the hammer down and told millions of Americans that they were no longer welcome in their own country because a small mob of them lost their minds, chasing an irrational fantasy that they could stop the certification of the vote and save this country from an oligarchal monopoly that now controls it. Whatever January 6th was, we know for sure what it wasn't. It wasn't 9-11. It wasn't Pearl Harbor. It wasn't October 7th in Israel. And the whole world was watching us pretend that it was. We looked like a fragile nation suddenly, one MAGA flag away from our government being overthrown. Why would our government, our president and vice president, not to mention Liz Cheney, Adam Kinzinger, Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, General Mark Milley, and countless talking heads and media want us to believe that January 6th was like 9-11 in the first place. Why would they think we would believe such an egregious lie? Because they knew the power of fear. They knew that the first war on terror was still standing architecture, and why not use it to intimidate, harass, monitor, and investigate Trump supporters, especially those who put on a red hat and protested in D.C. on January 6th? The first war on terror boosted Bush's poll numbers and handed the government unlimited power to police and surveil its citizens. What better way to help stamp out Trump and MAGA than a new war on terror? After sabotaging Trump's candidacy meant to hand Hillary Clinton the win in 2016, we watched for the first time the administrative state and the monopolies of power attempt to discredit, destroy, and remove a sitting president. Then we watched them betray our faith and our trust by forming an alliance to ensure Trump lost in 2020. They would need the media to gaslight the public about everything from masks to COVIDs to lockdowns to the violence in the summer of 2020. They would need lawyers to change any law that made it harder to ballot harvest with the one billion in dark money they had to play with. As lockdowns suddenly vanished, they would need an army of activists to turn America into a war zone for a few months. Now it was perfectly okay to party and protest body to body, fluids flying all over the country and world. Then they would need doctors to insist protesting was more important than COVID because systemic racism had afflicted our country since its founding. Then they would need military professionals to shut down Trump's attempts at bringing in the military. The Democrats would hold their convention, look us directly in the eye, and lie about the protests without mentioning the police and what they just endured even once. It seemed to me then that Barack Obama lied, Kamala Harris lied, Hillary Clinton lied, Joe Biden lied. What threatens you, they said, is the radical, racist Trump supporter. Trump was not a lawyer or a politician. It was easy for lawyers and politicians to trip him up, to find things he did wrong. Nearly every one of his alleged crimes has been verbal, things he said, flapping his gums, agitating, taunting, and teasing them. 
He was showing Americans that you could still exercise free speech in a country that had become oppressive in its demands of what all of us could say, think, and do. So why then would they need to compare January 6th to 9-11 in Pearl Harbor after Joe Biden took power? Because they didn't just want to remove Trump. They needed to stamp out the grassroots movement known as MAGA-2. And there's something dangerous happening in America now. There's an extremist movement that does not share the basic beliefs in our democracy. The MAGA movement. Not every Republican, not even a majority of Republicans, adhere to the MAGA extremist ideology. I know because I've been able to work with Republicans my whole career. But there's no question that today's Republican Party is driven and intimidated by MAGA Republican extremists. Their extreme agenda, if carried out, would fundamentally alter the institutions of American democracy as we know it. Here is what you hear from MAGA extremists about the retiring Patriot General honoring his oath to the Constitution. Quote, he's a traitor, end of quote. In times gone by, the punishment, quote, in times gone by, the punishment would have been death, end of quote. This is the United States of America. This is the United States of America. And although I don't believe even a majority of Republicans think that, the silence is deafening. The silence is deafening. Hardly any Republican called out such heinous statements. We should all remember, democracies don't have to die at the end of a rifle. They can die when people are silent, when they fail to stand up or condemn the threats to democracy. When people are willing to give away that which is most precious to them because they feel frustrated, disillusioned, tired, alienated, it's up to us, the American people. In my view, the more people vote, the more engaged the whole nation becomes, the stronger democracy will be. So the answer to the threats we face is engagement. It's not to sit in the sidelines. It's to build coalitions and community. To remind ourselves, there's a clear majority of us who believe in our democracy and are ready to protect it. History's watching. The world is watching. And most important, our children and grandchildren will hold us responsible. They wanted Americans to understand in no uncertain terms that only some people in this country are allowed to protest violently. If you're on that side, you will be funded, supported, defended, encouraged. And if you're not, you will be called a fascist, a racist, an insurrectionist, and a violent extremist. But for Biden, his failures would overshadow his achievements, starting with the catastrophic exit from Afghanistan, 13 American soldiers dead, countless civilians in the region. America stumbled greatly before the eyes of the world. Russia was watching. China was watching. Iran was watching. Hamas was watching. As Biden's approval numbers began to crash, he had no choice but to pivot to fear, to sell out his own citizens as would-be terrorists. Draped in blood-red light, Biden warned Americans of their most serious threat, the extreme MAGA Republicans, the ultra-MAGA, the semi-fascists. Too much of what's happening in our country today is not normal. Donald Trump and the MAGA Republicans represent an extremism that threatens the very foundations of our republic. 
Now, I want to be very clear, very clear up front. <clears throat> not every Republican, not even the majority of Republicans are MAGA Republicans. Not every Republican embraces their extreme ideology. I know, because I've been able to work with these mainstream Republicans. But there's no question that the Republican Party today is dominated, driven, and intimidated by Donald Trump and the MAGA Republicans. And that is a threat to this country. MAGA forces are determined to take this country backwards, backwards to an America where there is no right to choose, no right to privacy, no right to contraception, no right to marry who you love. They promote authoritarian leaders, and they fan the flames of political violence that are a threat to our personal rights, to the pursuit of justice, to the rule of law, to the very soul of this country. They look at the mob that stormed the United States Capitol on January 6th, brutally attacking law enforcement, not as insurrectionists who placed a dagger at the throat of our democracy, but they look at them as patriots, and they see their MAGA failure to stop a peaceful transfer of power after the 2020 election as preparation for the 2022 and 2024 elections. They tried everything last time to nullify the votes of 81 million people. This time, they're determined to succeed in thwarting the will of the people. It worked at least in part to sway independence leading up to the 2022 midterms, thanks to a last-minute attack on Paul Pelosi by a mentally ill, homeless, illegal immigrant named David DePap that our government could apply to all of MAGA. They were gearing up to do it again for 2024 with the FBI at the ready, already investigating Trump supporters. What other options do they have with a president who is deeply unpopular, a vice president who is even less popular, and Trump making them sweat the polls? But then Hamas attacked Israel, forcing all of us to stare deep into the face of evil. Now we could see what that looked like. Now we remembered 9-11. Now we remembered the wake-up call. Now we could easily see that our government has been lying to us about who our enemies are. The attack on Jews in Israel was telling. It exposed the house the left built these past 20 years. The identity first Democrats who shamed Trump for his Muslim ban because it was racist, who shamed Trump for his build-the-wall strategy at the border, who shamed Trump for wanting to block China as the pandemic hit. That too was racist. And now, they can't even bring themselves to utterly condemn the attacks by Hamas. That was the world that existed outside the first war on terror. Don't fear them, an entire generation was raised to believe, because that is racist. Fear those other people over there with the MAGA flags, because they're all angry white men, mad about women and people of color having a voice for the first time. For podcast listeners, a tweet by Miranda Devine, quote, This is why Biden and the rest of his shriveled-up party keep pointing the finger at MAGA. It's them, their own supporters, their own representatives, who are the anti-Semites, bigots, and fascists. And then another tweet, quoting Jake Tapper, The last few days have been real eye-opening period for a lot of people, a lot of Democrats, a lot of progressives, in terms of anti-Semitism on the left. 
It's all splashing back in their faces like toilet water now, because it seems we've raised an entire generation that has a hard time seeing evil, much less in aiming it, if they deem their attackers as oppressed and the victims as oppressors. Based on what they've been chattering about online for years now, evil is harder to see. Free Palestine builds clout, Stand with Israel does not. Kylie Jenner voiced her support for Israel and lost one million Instagram followers. And, like the coward and narcissist she is, she deleted the post. Standing with Ukraine is easy because they view Putin and Trump as fighting on the same side. Standing with Israel is complicated because of the history of Israel and Gaza which, for so many of them, is on par with how America colonized the tribes already here. Much of the left still sees it as a binary. They aren't white, that makes them good. The Europeans were white, that makes them bad. All points must lead to white supremacy. For podcast listeners, a headline from New York Magazine. A left that refuses to condemn mass murder is doomed by Eric Levitz. Quote, Quote, this weekend in Israel, a far-right Islamic group perpetrated the largest mass killing of Jews since the Holocaust, murdering entire families, including babies, in their beds, and slaughtering 260 concert goers. More than 1,000 Israelis were killed in all, and over 100 others taken hostage. End quote. But now, we can all see where this has led. It has led to the banality of evil. People who can't see it or refuse to see it to serve their own interests. That, too, has now woken people up to the reality of the American left. For his part, Biden did not equivocate. He condemned members of the squad for their pro-Palestine stance. He offered unwavering support to Israel and still offers unwavering support to Ukraine. And right about now, we're all wondering if this will take us to war. Glenn Beck suggests as much on Megyn Kelly's show. The big news right now is Hezbollah. And whether a new front just opened in the north of Israel with an incursion from the north. Your thoughts on it? Uh, it, We are headed for not just a regional war, but I believe we're headed for a global war. You can't have Hezbollah in the north, Hamas on the south, and what will be the IRGC coming in from the Syrian side. Um, It's going to overwhelm Israel. And I, I honestly, it will take a miracle to keep us out of World War III, I think. However, um, miracles have happened with Israel over and over again. So there's a a few things I've been listening to your monologue and I want to address. First of all, um, this is a in in some dark way, a blessing. If we look at it this way, this is the first time in human history that I know of. Somebody has said who they are and then proven it. Hitler, when he said, I'm going to kill all the Jews, it was in print. It was everywhere. But nobody wanted to believe him because it was too horrific. He even tried to cover it with a final solution and then cover it at the end. He didn't want to be known as that guy. So we didn't know. This time we know. They say it's not it is not about a second state. It is about killing the Jews, period. We know what they say. We know what they do. They put it on social media. They wanted the world to see it. So this goes into not only who Hamas is, but who is Iran, who is Hezbollah, who is the RIGC, who is Black Lives Matter? Who are the people that are in our own Congress, in our own schools, 
that are endorsing this or turning a blind eye. This is where the blessing comes in. This, I think, is one of your last chances to actually get off of that death train and step on to a platform of truth. The banality of evil. There is a hollowing out of the core of the left, a lack of morality that seems to be taking them to increasingly dark and dangerous places. Abortion is something they pretend doesn't warrant even sadness or remorse, just celebration. Somehow the safe, legal, and rare argument means all women must become sociopaths without any connection to the baby they created or the children they mothered. Here's a TikTok video of a woman dancing, saying, This is a video of my fetus before it was aborted. They seem to have found allowable targets, a baby inside of them they don't have to care about, millions of Americans who don't want to live the way they do, and the ability just to wash away the deaths at the hands of Hamas if it means more likes on TikTok. Maybe that means Biden might still get away with perpetuating the big lie about January 6th. If his poll numbers do not improve, he'll have no choice but to flip on the red lights and start screaming about semi-fascists. Questions remain. To date, there has never been any full reckoning of exactly what happened on January 6th. None of the people involved in the riot have been charged with any crimes they threatened to do online. They are being punished for them regardless. We are in the era of thought crimes and pre-crimes because a whole generation no longer knows the difference. The government knew way before January 6th that a violent mob was coming to the Capitol. They knew, but they did nothing. Why? Here is what Capitol Police Chief Stephen Sund, no fan of Donald Trump, wrote in his book, Courage Under Fire, about January 6th. Quote, What I didn't know as I drove home that night was that many of these people who were filling up the city had already been in continuous communication with each other, saying things like this, Be ready to fight. Congress needs to hear glass breaking doors being kicked in, and blood from their BLM and Pantifa slave soldiers being spilled. Get violent. Stop calling this a march, a rally, or a protest. Go there ready for war. We get our president or we die. Nothing else will achieve this goal. End this. Deploy Capitol Police to restrict movement. Anyone going armed needs to be mentally prepared to draw the line on Leos. Shoot them first, but make sure they know what happens if they do. End this. Get into Capitol buildings, stand outside Congress, be in the room next to them. They won't have time to run if they play dumb. And this. You might have to kill palace guards. Are you okay with that? Sund writes, I didn't know any of this that night. But the thing that will haunt me for the rest of my life is that many others in the intelligence community did know. The intelligence community did know. This intelligence had been gathered by the FBI, the Department of Homeland Security, and the military. Hell, this intelligence was even available on the IICD the intelligence division of my own USCP, intelligence that had been known for weeks before January 6th. All this intelligence was out there, sitting on desks and laptops all over town, much of it known by many of the very agencies that had been represented at my video call just hours earlier, attended by agency leaders either unaware of or unwilling to share the intelligence their agencies possessed. No one said a word about this DEFCON 1 flashing red alert. This changes everything intelligence. And now I know as I was driving home on the evening of January 5th, I had no idea that my life and the life of so many others was about to be altered forever, end quote. Perhaps it's high time someone in the Capitol Police sued the government and the intelligence agencies 
for negligence and failure to adequately protect them from what they knew was coming. What a difference 11 years makes. The last war on terror helped build a massive apparatus to police citizens looking for would-be terrorists or radicalized Americans. There was as much pressure to deliver then as there is now. The difference is that journalists were still chasing the story back then, not yet too afraid to do so. Take this story in The Guardian from way back in 2011, and now imagine The Guardian writing anything like this about the FBI on January 6th. For podcast listeners, a headline. Fake terror plots, paid informants, the tactics of FBI entrapment, questioned. Critics say the Bureau is running a sting operation across America, targeting vulnerable people by luring them into fake terror plots. David Williams did not have an easy life. He moved to Newburgh, a gritty, impoverished town on the banks of the Hudson, an hour or so north of New York, at just 10 years old. For a young black American boy with a father in jail, trouble was everywhere. The article continues, quote, The group was perhaps not even Muslim, as its religious practices involved a Bible study and wearing the Star of David. Yet Assad posed as an al-Qaeda operative and got members of the group to swear allegiance. Transcripts of the oath-taking ceremony are almost farcical. Baptiste repeatedly queries the idea and appears bullied into it. In effect, defense lawyers argued the men were confused, impoverished members of an obscure cult. Yet targets the group supposedly entertained attacking included the Sears Tower in Chicago, Hollywood Movie Studios, and the Empire State Building. Even zealous prosecutors painting a picture of dedicated Islamic terrorists admitted any potential plots were aspirational, given that the group had no means to carry them out. Nonetheless, they were charged with seeking to wage war against America, plotting to destroy buildings and supporting terrorism. Five of them got long jail sentences. Assad, who was recently arrested in Texas for attempting to run over a policeman, was paid 85000 for his work. This year, the jailed Liberty City men launched an appeal, and last week, judgment was handed down. They lost, and officially remain Islamic terrorists hell-bent on destroying America. Not that their supporters see it that way. End quote. Glenn Greenwald says the FBI routinely engaged in the same kind of thing they likely did in both the Whitmer kidnapping plot and January 6th. While Judge McMahon conceded the government had a legitimate interest in identifying and capturing terrorists, she was unsparing in her criticisms, saying that the defendants, quote, never could have dreamed up such serious criminal acts on their own. She also suggested that the government had undermined, quote, respect for the law by sending a villain like Hussein to troll among the poorest and weakest of men with, quote, an offer of much-needed cash in exchange for committing a faux crime. Had the government not contrived its elaborate sting operation, it is highly likely that the defendants would never have, that the defendants would have simply lived out their lives in Newburgh, quite possibly doing life on the installment plan as they cycled in and out of jail for a string of petty offenses, she wrote, but never committing a crime remotely like what they became involved in. Do you hear that that's what the FBI does? They commit their own crimes? And I used to ask all the time during the war on terror when I was covering it, why, if there's such a grave threat of domestic terrorists in the United States, does the FBI constantly need to invent its own plots? And they're doing exactly the same thing now, only this time it's not aimed at Muslim Americans, it's aimed at your neighbors. People who are perceived to have ideologies that are threatening to the establishment and make them domestic extremists, whether on the left or the right. 
In July of 2021, I wrote exactly that article. There you see the title, quote, FBI using the same fear tactic from the first war on terror, orchestrating its own terrorism plots. And it was about the plot involving Gretchen Whitmer and questioning the FBI's role in 1-6. As I wrote, questioning the FBI's role in January 6th was maligned by corporate media as deranged. But only ignorance about the FBI or a desire to deceive could produce such a reaction. And I wrote that about that case. One of the, I, I, I talked about several cases where the FBI got caught in egregious conduct, creating their own crimes and luring people into it. And when these people get sent to prison, they get to sent to prison as terrorists, which means they don't go to any prison. They go to prisons, special prisons created after 9-11 to be extremely repressive, just like the January 6th defendants were treated like insurrectionists, including the ones who didn't use violence and were put in solitary confinement pending trial. A four and a half year sentence for the Q shaman who didn't get near violence because liberals were demanding the head on the pike of people involved in January 6th and because they're eager to criminalize the Trump movement by turning it into an insurrectionary movement. They're inventing criminality in the Trump cases and in these cases. Only one mainstream reporter had the guts to cover the Whitmer FBI entrapment plot in Esquire magazine, but even he must capitulate in the end, as his career would be over if he didn't, because the new left, not like the old left, supports and defends the FBI. And anyway, back in 2011, journalists at The Guardian were likely to be more sympathetic to non-white suspects, as opposed to now, where their concept of MAGA is that they're angry white men looking to kill black and brown people. The January 6th prisoners and those who protested in D.C. that day have been treated like the enemy for three years now. They don't have many advocates, that's for sure, but there is one. MAGA has a friend and ally in the stalwart Julie Kelly, whose Declassified is a must-read. Podcast listeners, a headline from Julie Kelly... Another Whitmer fednapping case goes boom. Three men on trial for state charges related to the FBI entrapment scheme acquitted Friday on all counts by a Michigan jury. From 9-11 to January 6th. We did not have social media during 9-11. The news didn't whip around the world as it does now, with all of us experiencing a tragedy simultaneously. Instead, we picked up the phones and said to our friends and family, turn on the television. After the towers fell and the dust settled, after the wars, the orange alerts, the paranoia, and despair, my thoughts turned to 1999 and the impeachment of Bill Clinton. Why, I thought, could we have been so careless in pouring so much of our time, our attention, and resources into something so trivial? We needed a president with his eyes on the ball, not one fighting for his presidency over an affair with an intern. I wonder how things could have gone so wrong that our government was that distracted on the eve of a major terrorist attack. The Democrats in their seven-year odyssey to bring down Trump have made the hunt for the Clintons look like child's play, though it is ultimately about the same thing, a refusal to relinquish power to the opposing party. We needed our president when the pandemic hit. We needed a government to support him in trying to manage it, not to mention the race riots in the summer. But we got exactly the opposite, an unprecedented alignment of power, worked to sabotage him at every turn, ensuring that he failed at everything he tried to do. 
as Lee Smith put it in Tablet, quote, They lied about Obama's successor being a Russian spy to delegitimize the government and divide the country in the hope of removing an elected president from office. They lied about an insurrection on January 6, 2021, to justify designating half the country as domestic terrorists in order to put their political opponents in jail. They've lied about so many things because they're certain that their communications infrastructure, where intelligence officers direct big tech and censor what was once America's independent press, will shape the information space on their behalf, effectively controlling what we see, hear, and read. Our government's singular obsession with bringing down Trump and a media all too willing to suck the bones off the carcass meant their eyes were off the ball. And now we see what that has meant, not just the war with Ukraine, but also the war in the Middle East. Recently, the Lincoln Project's Stephen Schmidt beclowned himself on the PBD podcast, insisting January 6th was worse than 9-11. Steve, you lose credibility when you say 2,977 people died is less of an event than one it's person not, dying on not, J6. Not, you, 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 that's not, when you that's say not, that, you've already... That's not, you're, you're, you're manipulating what I said, twisting it. What I said was... January 6th was a more severe attack on the United States. September 11th, September 11th had more casualties. There's a difference. The how, country, do you me- how do you measure worse? There, there's got to be data. You said you're a data guy. Data says one event, we lost nearly 3,000 people. One event, we lost one. We lost. You we ask lost, the average person, well, they're going to say, of course, 3,000 is going to be worse Because than I one. guess I'm counting the 600,000 that died in the American Civil War. And I'm counting the 405,000 that died in the Second World War. And I'm counting the 50,000 that died in the Korean War. And I'm counting the 58,000 that died in the Vietnam War. And I'm counting the acts of sacrifice that go back to 1776 that were desecrated on that day, incited by a single man who assaulted the Constitution of the United States. We were attacked by a foreign enemy on September 11th of 2001. The casualties were horrendous, as they were on December 7th of 1941. But the attack on January 6th was more severe also than the attack on Pearl Harbor. How will they still be able to lie about January 6th now that we've all seen the face of evil? We know the difference between what happened at the Capitol and what just happened in Israel. They're nowhere near the same. Anyone who says they are is a stone-cold liar. Let this now begin the post-delusion era where we can, at long last... Be told the truth. Thank you for listening to my podcast, sashastone.substack.com. Please have a great weekend, and remember, to thine own self, be true. Well, I think it's fine Building jumbo planes Taking a ride into cyberspace Switch on summer 
from a slot machine Is get what you want to if you want Cause you can get anything I know we've come a long way We're changing day to day But tell me, where do the children play? Fresh green grass for your lorry loads, pumping petrol gas, and you make them long and you make them tough, but they just go on and on, and it seems that you can't get off. No. We've come a long way We're changing day to day But tell me, where do the children play? Tell us when to live Will you tell us when to die? 